Hello everyone, and welcome back to Into the Fray. I'm Daniel Marable, here with... I'm Eli Kleinman. Today, we will start by looking at the top undrafted free agents in the NBA. Then, we will do a 2011 redraft. And finally, we will look at Kentucky players and how they have translated to the league. But let's start with undrafted free agents. So when you look at undrafted free agents that are currently in the NBA, what are your takeaways right now? Yeah, so we're starting to see more and more undrafted free agents find success in the NBA. Uh, they're being given more of a chance than really ever before. And I think a lot of that has to do with uh, the G League, definitely the G League. It gives players the opportunity to develop and hone their skills, and it gives them the ability to showcase their improvements too, which is probably the most important thing. Last season, we saw approximately 136 undrafted players appear in at least one NBA game over the course of the season, and I can only imagine that number will continue to grow in the coming years. And, but I think logically we have to first look at, um, you know, and ask ourselves why these players weren't drafted in the first place. And a lot of these guys go undrafted for a multitude of reasons. Either they're not particularly athletic, they're too small, too old, not viewed as having enough upside, or simply when it comes to their game, they're too one-dimensional. So right here, I've got a list of some of the notable undrafted players. Um, you can't talk about undrafted NBA players without mentioning Fred Van Vliet, uh, but you can't blame an NBA team for not selecting him on draft night. He spent four years in college. He's undersized. He didn't put up crazy numbers either. And and this is a common theme. Alex Caruso's another four-year college player. Same with Jeremy Lin, Kendrick Nunn, Seth Curry. They're, they're just, they're in college too long. Most of them are undersized. They're, they're too one-dimensional. Um, but what they do is these players find a way onto the court by carving out a role for themselves, whether it be defense like Robert Covington or Derek Jones Jr., or shooting, the more the majority of these guys can shoot, and, and that's mostly how they find their way onto an NBA roster. I mean, look at Van Vliet, Wesley Matthews, Seth Curry, Duncan Robinson, even Brad Wanamaker, Kent Bazemore, um, Matt Thomas, uh, and even Robert Covington can shoot. Um, I also want to give a quick shout out to Christian Wood and Chris Boucher, and the problem was they were never given the proper chance, and once they were, like these other players I mentioned, they proved why they deserve to be on an NBA roster. Yeah, more more importantly to me, though, it's surprising how with the age in technology, to the point where we are at tech in technology, and how you can watch every single game, like there is no college game you cannot view, that scouts aren't finding these players. We, we tend to think that scouting is getting better, and, and I believe it, it is, but it's clearly not perfect because you, you name some of these guys that are making a difference. I mean, you know, you talk about players who don't can't shoot. I, I mean, I can name a couple who still can't shoot. Derek Jones Jr. still can't shoot. So, you know, Robert Cummington's a fine shooter. You know, Aaron Baines, not a shooter. He's a, he's a big man. And those players, I understand. I'm, But when you look at how shooting has become so prevalent in the NBA – it surprises me that some of these other guys like Seth Curry have gotten through the cracks and no one's even taken a chance on them. 
so that's something that's really interesting to me. Like you mentioned, there's a lot of those shooting guards who are difference makers off the bench, not necessarily starters. I think Fred Van Vliet's probably the most well-known name at the time coming out of Wichita State. And a name that's not in the NBA right now, but needs to be, I mean, needs to be mentioned. I mean, there are a couple names that you mentioned earlier that, you know, used to play in the NBA that need to be mentioned, um, you know. And I think, but overall, there's just no real difference maker undrafted and that makes sense because they went undrafted if they we thought they would be a difference maker they'd go in the draft but you know i think there are a lot of role players who can be found after the draft i think it's a really interesting thing yeah definitely and yeah i I definitely think that in the years to come we will see more and more undrafted players given a chance and and that's just the art of the sport you know like there are always going to be undrafted players who who do turn out to be difference makers whether it be for uh, absolutely and it just the fact is you're right like we can watch every game but the reality is scouts don't have the time for that and and, and gms don't have the time for that so there's always going to be a, a player like van vliet or duncan robinson that just slips through the cracks and one team decides to pick them up and give them a chance and they their lights out they shoot amazingly well they're given a chance on the court for you know uh, in garbage time, and they play well, and, and that's absolutely. how it works, and, and that's going to continue and, until the end of time. And a trend that it is forced is, and I believe, that, I mean, the right now there are more college kids who are entering the NBA draft than ever before, and I think in the back of some of their minds, a lot of them aren't projected to get picked, and if they are projected to get picked. It's in the second round, but I think they do see a path for themselves in the G League up into the NBA if they need to. And the bonus of and the better part of that is they get paid to do it, which they don't in college. So they're taking their chances as an undrafted free agent. And you mentioned names. I've mentioned a couple as well. You know, Joe Ingles out of Australia who didn't go to college. Tyler Johnson, who played for the Heat, was a solid player. You know, Kent Bazemore, Quinn Cook, they've realized that they have just as good of a chance to get into the NBA going undrafted as they do in the second round. Fred Van Vliet's actually a really interesting story. He, at the back end of the second round, apparently, I believe, was asking teams not to pick him. He wanted to be undrafted. He wanted to choose. He did. You know, he's used it as motivation. He believed in himself. And look where it got him. He put up over 50 points you know, just a, a couple, a week or two ago. And I think that's, you know, shows you who Fred Van Vliet is more than it does about being an undrafted free agent. But I think those stories are common. It's used as motivation. And there are certainly several undrafted free agents who are difference makers on teams right now. For sure. And, you know, we might see Van Vliet end up being, if not the best, the second best to Ben Wallace is you know, undrafted player, second best. I think he's up there right now already. And he's got a lot of years left in him. Another interesting thing, you mentioned Joe Ingles. Also, another notable name is Maxi Kleba. And you see that trend with European players who just aren't getting that exposure um, here in the States that tend to go undrafted, no fault of their own. Um, and so those are some guys who slip through the cracks just because they're playing overseas. Um, 
And so yeah. I think no, that's something. Overseas players definitely seem to be overlooked. And and for an obvious reason, I mean, it, like you said, there's not enough time nor enough manpower, man or woman, um, men or women power to scout all these players. Uh, but they are taking a chance with them as undrafted free agents. And, you know, they are definitely working out. So. All right. So moving on to our next segment, we will be redrafting the 2011 draft. Um, so first, let me say this was a very solid draft class. Um, one of the better ones, actually. Uh, well, definitely better than the 2010 draft. Uh, we learned that last week. Uh, there are quite a few guys from this class that are still playing very valuable minutes in the league. So, Eli, tell me, who do you have first overall? Who are the Cavs going to take? I think we both agree on this one. We should. Unlike I last, hope so. Unlike Truly, last time. after last time, I'm not sure we can agree on all that much. But I think we can agree on this one. He's won two championships now. Yep. In San Antonio and Toronto. He's on the Clippers. But, oh, if Cleveland could have taken him and had LeBron come home to play with this guy, they would have been a force to be reckoned with. I have Kawhi Leonard going with the first pick in the 2011 NBA draft. Correct. I, that's the only correct answer. The Cavs are going to take Kawhi, who went 15th overall. Big mistake. I, I don't even know how that happened. Because even mean, during draft night, they, they were projecting him to go as high as, like, four. I remember yeah, Jay Billis was talking. San Diego State definitely played a role. I mean, that's where he went to college. And you look at some of the players who were picked above, it's, you know, Kyrie Irving was picked. He went to Duke. Derek Williams was a solid player at Arizona. Right. Tristan Thompson went to Texas. And then you had a bunch of guys who didn't even go to college, which, you know, is becoming more popular. But four out of the top ten is a lot. Right. Uh, but Kawhi, I agree. Yeah, and there was far and away the number one pick. There was no way to know just how good Kawhi was going to become. So I don't blame the Cavs for taking Kyrie. Uh, coming out of college, Kawhi was extremely raw. Uh, not a great shooter, and I, I think we do owe a lot of his development to the Spurs' fantastic development staff, as we know. Um, could you imagine, though? Um, let's pretend that LeBron still comes back to Cleveland, right? Could you imagine yeah. a, a LeBron and Kawhi duo at the wings? That would be that would be incredible. I, I uh, think we need to wait, though, because Cleveland has a second Yes, yes, no. But, the they, but they definitely would have put up more of a fight against the Warriors than Kyrie and Love ever did. That's certainly true. So you picked Kawhi Leonard first. I have a feeling we might start disagreeing now. Me too. Who do you have with your second pick? Second pick, the Timberwolves. They took Derek Williams. He looked great in college. He did. So I don't blame them taking him either. But they definitely would take that back. I have them taking Jimmy Butler, who went 30th. You're probably going to disagree with me. Is Kyrie the more skilled player? Yes. Would I rather have Kyrie on my team? No. Butler may not be the player that Kyrie, and, and I have a feeling you might have another guy here, um, other than Kyrie, perhaps. So, but... actually, I have Jimmy Butler, because I think Jimmy Butler is one of the few players that is not considered at that elite status that LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, Giannis, you know, one of those players, Anthony Davis even makes it there, Stephen Curry... <laughs> But Jimmy Butler is not in that stratosphere, but he is a player who can lead a team in a similar way. So 
when I look at building a team, he he's got to be right up there because that's how good he is. I think there's no doubt. I mean, yes, he went with a 30th overall pick, but he's a better player than that. And if you're looking at a stat, I found it on basketballreference.com. It's win shares. It's very similar to the Sabre metrics that are used in baseball by uh, Bill James, who was the who created Sabre metrics. Win shares, Jimmy Butler's second in in the draft class, and it's frankly not that far from Kawhi Leonard, and there's a significant gap from everyone else. Like I said, I think he's a player who can lead a team. What do the, both of those players have in common? They're both solid scorers. They're both solid leaders, but they're great defenders too, and that's what makes Jimmy Butler stand out about it above everyone else. Exactly. I can't believe we we agree there. I mean, yeah, you hit the nail I'm on the head. Shocked. I mean, right, Butler, I don't think he's the player that Kyrie is, right, skill-wise, um, but he more than makes up for it with the intangibles he brings to the team, whatever team he's yeah, on. He's been on absolutely. a few at this point. Um, he was the leader of that Bulls team in 2017, I believe, um, and he took the first-seeded Celtics to six games. He was the leader of the Timberwolves in 2018 and led them to the playoffs for the first time since 20, uh, 2004. Uh, and they haven't been since, and they're looking like a, a mess right now. And we all know what he did in the bubble, leading the Heat to a historic championship run. Yes, he was previously on the Timberwolves, so this is interesting. And it didn't end well, but if you were on the team six seasons earlier, he could have set the right um, he could have set the right culture with Kevin Love, and maybe even have made some nice playoff runs. Yeah, absolutely. So on to pick number three. That's Utah. Who does Utah select? All right. So the Jazz took Ennis Cantor, and while he's been fine, they're not taking him here. They're taking Kyrie. You might have a different player. I've got them taking Kyrie. He's not going to fall to four. Um, Kyrie's an NBA champion, and no one can take that away from him. And he quite possibly hit the biggest shot in NBA history. That's debatable. Um, But he hasn't done much since, and in all honesty, he didn't do much before that either. And all of his drama aside, I think the Jazz would be ecstatic to get Kyrie here. Absolutely ecstatic. After trading away Darren Williams, the Jazz were in desperate need of a point guard. Uh, And that need really has never been addressed or fixed, depending on your view of Mike Conley. Um, In Utah, he'd be teaming up with Gordon Hayward, a duo we never really got to see in action. And fun fact, fun fact, the two share a birthday. March 23rd. So it was destined to happen. It was destined. It had to happen. Well, there you go. And I agree. It was destined to happen. Kyrie has to go with the third overall pick. He is probably the most talented player in this draft. Yeah. I don't, I don't like as good as Kawhi Leonard is. I don't think anyone compares to Kyrie Irving. I just think there are issues he's had. He's had injury issues. He's had, behavior issues and as a point guard defensively he struggles which is expected but there's i'm not sure there's a better scorer at the point guard position and i'm not talking about shooter because shooting is obviously stephen curry but his ability to drive is unmatched his handles are unmatched so kyrie Irving's is a clear number three pick in this draft which brings us to number four and right back to Cleveland. And I think we might even have the same pick. For Great this minds one. think alike. So I'll go first. I, I mean, it, obviously when you pick someone as of Kawhi Leonard's caliber, 
who's a good player, a solid scorer, and a good facilitator, you need a shooter, which is why Clay Thompson goes fourth overall. Because just imagine Clay Thompson, Kawhi Leonard, and then LeBron James coming back. Now, you, what you can do is you put LeBron at the point guard position. So now you have LeBron, Clay, Kawhi. One, two, three. Get yourself any center. That's an NBA championship team. That's frankly one of the best teams of all time. That, that's exactly what I was thinking. Um, so Clay went 11th. I've got them taking Clay. Um, Tristan Thompson, he was fine. I, he was there for a while. I'm not sure that's, well, it's definitely not the right pick. So I do have the Cavs taking a Thompson. Not not Tristan Thompson. I've got them taking Clay Thompson. And listen, Clay's, Clay's a great player. And some might actually think that he should have gone higher, right? He, there's an I, argument to be made. So I, I thought, I believe that Clay Thompson might actually be a better player than Jimmy Butler and Kyrie Irving. But I don't think Klay Thompson can lead his own team like those two players have the ability to, although with Kyrie there is some debate about whether he would be actually capable of doing so. We saw him early years in Cleveland. We saw what happened with the Celtics. And now he's teamed up again with Kevin Durant and James Harden. But I don't think Klay Thompson's capable of leading a team in that way. So I decided to let him fall because I thought those other guys would be picked above them just because of their ability to play more on their own. I guess right. that's the better way to say right. it, play and, on their own. And I know you're a Warriors fan, so I don't want to hurt your feelings, but it's as simple as this. I With a top five pick, you're drafting a player really to build your franchise around, and Clay is a great complimentary player. Um, one of the, the best, one of the best ever. Uh, I'll say a top three complimentary player of all time. Yeah, ever. He's one of the best ever, but I would not choose him to build my franchise around. He's not my centerpiece. And, and this isn't a knock on Clay. In fact, that's why I believe this is such a good pick. Imagine if, if the Cavs could go back and do this draft right. So I had them picking Kawhi. You did too. And so assuming LeBron returns, LeBron, Kawhi, Clay, like you mentioned, I mean, that's a dynasty right there. Yeah, absolutely. I, like I said, one of the best teams of all time, which brings us to pick number five and. Man, I'll say even unfortunately, I have a feeling we're going with the same guy again. Hmm. All right, we'll see. I'll go Unless... first. I've So the Raptors, I have instead of Valanciunas, who is a great player, people need to talk about him more. I've got them taking Kemba Walker, who went ninth. Um, so taking Kemba here would make it so the Raptors didn't have to trade for Kyle Lowry the following season. And this would have saved him a first-round pick that they could have turned into something else if they wanted to trade or just draft the pick. Um, I'm not sure this is actually better for Toronto, though, because we all know uh, Kyle does end up helping them win a championship. But at that time, Kemba definitely would have solved a much-needed role at point guard for the Raptors, especially considering he was fresh off a national championship. So that's an enticing pick. Yeah, so I as well have Kemba Walker. And I, I look at this pick as you need to pick the best player available, and he's the best player available at this point. There are some other solid players behind him, but no one I can say I would count on. Kemba Walker, I can count on more than these other guys. I feel like there's a tier, a huge drop-off after him, and I think there's actually a huge, there's a slight drop-off before from Thompson to Walker, but I see a huge drop-off afterwards, which is why I have Kemba Walker going five. 
Me too. I, just like you said, for like the reigning national champion, a great player, hit big time shots. I think he provides everything you want in a point guard. And I think he's actually lived up to what you were looking for in a point guard in the NBA. I really do. He's undersized, which makes it tough defensively. But we say that about most point guards. So overall, I think he's actually done a solid job. And I think he would have been a good fifth overall pick. He would have definitely. Ninth, that would have been a steal at the time. Um, yeah. So sixth, the Wizards. Um, who do you have? Who do you have the Wizards taking instead of Jan Vesely, um, who I've never heard of? That pick did not work out. No, I have them going for a center from the University of Southern California, Nikola Vucevic. I just, again, I look at these players. I think there's a drop off between Kemba Walker and Vucevic, but Vucevic has been a nice player. He's actually been one of the better scoring centers in the NBA, and you know he just is a nice piece to have i think when you're in the top 10 you're looking for all generational pieces but there's none left at this point so you have to go with vucevic and he's been a solid player in the nba he's put up over ten thousand points he's put up almost as many points as Kawhi leonard has so when you look at it he's a solid player in the nba and he's staked out a nice career and i think you know he would do that on the Wizards. Well, it continues. I also have the Wizards picking Vucevic, who went 16th. I, I like we're on the same trajectory here. Like I, I feel a split coming though. I feel like something's gonna go awry. Um, first, let me say I, I have never heard of Vesely, so the Wizards would have been better off with literally anyone else who went in this first round. Um, there was so much talent. I can't believe, I, I can't believe they screwed this up. Uh, I, there was no need regard here because the Wizards had Wall, Arenas, Nick Young. Um, if Washington knew what Vucevic would turn out to be, there's absolutely no way they don't take him back then. Uh, they've been in desperate need of a center for what feels like a decade at this point, and Vucevic only seems to be getting better with age. Nobody's talking about it, but he should definitely be an all-star this season. He's having arguably his best season ever, 23 points per game on 48, 42, and 85 shooting splits. Uh, the Wizards would definitely take that. Um, Probably even try a magic spell to go back in time and undo this pick. You get it? You see what I did there? Wizards? Oh, that was well, funny. Well, he already knows magic, so he'd be a perfect fit. You see what I did there again? All right, I'm done. I'm done. Oh, um, okay, let, let's let's move you along to the seventh overall selection and one of the most abysmal drafting teams yep. in the NBA. Abysmal is the right word. The Kings. The Sacramento Kings. Yeah, okay, so the Kings, I have them taking, instead of Bismack Biombo. Tobias Harris, who originally went 19th. Honestly, the Kings needed everything at this point in time, except a center, because they had just drafted Cousins. Um, they especially needed talent at the wings, and Harris is just the best guy left on the board, and although he's not he's not going to change your franchise around, um, he would have added some size and scoring to an abysmal, that is the correct word, Kings team. Who do you have, take, who do you have them taking? We do not finally we separate. I'm surprised you didn't have this guy picked Rios. I wonder if you actually even have him in the top ten. But I don't think there's any doubt that he deserves to be in the top ten. His career was his peak was short along with his height. But when he played well, arguably he would be a top five pick. If he had continued his peak, which is why Isaiah Thomas goes number seven, the former 60th pick in the draft. And funny enough, 
He went to Sacramento again. They picked him with 60. I have him picking with seven. An elite score. Imagine a pick and roll with DeMarcus Cousins and Isaiah Thomas. Now that would be excellent to watch. And it actually kind of did happen. Just the Kings' ability to develop players, not so excellent, which is why Isaiah Thomas got traded quickly to Phoenix, I believe, before moving on to Boston, who then decided to give him up for Kyrie Irving. Daniel, how do you feel about that? I can't believe that, you know, I am I'm a diehard Celtics fan. I am possibly the biggest Celtics fan on planet Earth. And you picked Isaiah Thomas before me because, let me tell you, at pick number eight, I have the Detroit Pistons picking Isaiah Thomas. I thought you weren't even going to have him in the top ten. So I thought this was going to be controversial. I picked Isaiah Thomas, the 60th pick, the former 60th pick, instead of Brandon Knight. Oh, my gosh, Isaiah Thomas. And, you know, there was a, a former Hall of Famer, Isaiah Thomas, who won a few championships for the Pistons. It just it, it fits perfectly. Uh, You're people... all about the weird fits. Like... We're, we're like destiny. basketball. Let's just go. It's destiny. People forget like, just how good I, I appreciate. Uh, I appreciate you picking Isaiah Thomas seven, but I, people forget just how good it was in 2017. He led the Celtics to the first seed averaging 29, 29 points per game and six assists. People forget about that. He was not just a scorer, six assists and he carried them all the way to the conference finals. And you might say, Daniel, but he was only good on the Celtics. Wrong. Wrong. That is wrong. Incorrect. He averaged 20 in Sacramento, over 15 in Phoenix, Cleveland, and L.A. I was even debating putting him over Harris because his peak was so much higher, like you said, than pretty much every other player from this draft, except Kawhi, right? We can agree on that. In 2017, he finished top five. Top top five in MVP voting. Kawhi's the only other player from this class to do so. Not Kyrie. Not Butler, not Clay. Anyway, okay, okay, he, okay, but Clay Thompson was never an MB, MVP contender. Let's be very honest. His skill set is not MVP. Would you contender. would you say Isaiah how, Thomas? How many, is? how many how many how many dribbles did Clay Thompson take to score sixty points? Wasn't it like twelve something? It was. It was under. It was under fifteen. Small. I think it was eleven, yeah, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Clay Thompson cannot win MVP by taking 11 dribbles or 12 dribbles under 15 regardless. But would you, did you ever see a 5'9 guy? I mean, Muggsy Bogues was an all-star. But so. he was not an MVP candidate. All right. So so you don't, you're hating on my, my fate and destiny picks. So I'll go back to basketball, right? So the Pistons and Thomas are a great fit. Um, they could have used the scoring, and they've... Is it- pretty much always needed a good point guard. Um, it's a, It's just a shame his career was so hampered by injuries he was so good and he and he really people forget like the celtics were absolute garbage from like 2014 to to 2017 when he got there he completely turned the trajectory of that team around and the culture yeah he deserves more credit and so i have my seventh and eighth picks swap from you because i have tobias harris going with the eighth pick for all the reasons you mentioned earlier now is where we start to see weaker players weaker talents but tobias harris is a solid player really i I don't think philadelphia is a great fit for him i'm not sure who would fit well in philadelphia the answer might be nobody but i think he's turned into a solid player he certainly staked himself 
a nice role on the team and, and a good amount of money to go with it. So he goes at number eight, which brings us to our last two selections in number nine and then eventually number 10. All right, so number nine was the Bobcats, now the Hornets. I've got them taking, instead of Kemba, because he's off my board, I've got them taking Valanchunas, who went fifth. So I just had Kemba and Valanchunas swapped. Valanchunas is another guy that people don't talk about enough. He's a solid, traditional big man, which is probably the reason why he's not mentioned a lot. It's not exciting. It's not the direction the league is trending. That said, he's excellent at what he does, and he fills a positional need for the Hornets, so... Here he goes to the Hornets, Bobcats. Absolutely. That that does make sense to me. I have him one spot below this, but at number nine, I picked a different center. I went with Tristan Thompson, who went fourth overall, one pick before Valanchunas. I kind of just slided them both back five selections because I think Tristan Thompson does not score as well as Valanchunas, but I think – I would just rather have him on my team as more of a center who is a good defensive presence. And I think he's a little bit more mobile than Valanchunas. So you think Valanchunas is a little slower. I think Thompson is a little better. And you know what? Thompson won a championship. I will give credit to that. He was a part of the Cavs team. He was actually a solid part of the Cavs team. You know, LeBron James got that man paid. And so if LeBron James likes him, I do too. He's going nine, which makes Valanchunas my 10 for everything you just said. A solid player, actually a solid big man. Can't shoot, but that's why he's not an elite big man. He's just a solid big man. Yep. Okay, so the Bucks have the final pick here that we will be doing. Pick number 10, they took Jimmer Fredette. Uh, that that didn't turn out so well. I've got... You you might not have thought of this guy, or you might have him right here, and that'd be awesome. I've got them taking Boyan Bogdanovich, who went 31st overall. And and so, you know, about Jimmer, I know he didn't ever end up playing for the Bucks, but still, in, in retrospect, this was not a good pick. Unless, unless, if we're talking about China, that's a different story, because he's averaging, like, I looked it up, he's averaging, like, 28, 6, and 6. Um, it's this unfortunate, it just didn't work for him in the NBA. Um, back to Bogdanovich, though. So he was actually picked uh, with the first pick in the second round, but he spent quite a few years um, in Turkey before coming to the NBA in 2014, which turns out to be perfect because that just so happens to be the year after Giannis was drafted. And Boyan is a great player. He averaged 20 points per game last season. But this pick is all about building around Giannis. And what's better? what's a better way to do that than surround him with shooters? Yeah, so I have Jonas Valanciunas at 10, like I said. So your 9, my 10. I like Boyan Bogdanovich, but I don't think he's a top 10 pick. I understand the idea, the, the potential of putting him with Jonas, but I, I don't think he's as good of a player as you may be giving credit for. But it's okay. So... 2011, certainly a better draft class than 2010. And from here, in a cu- in two weeks, we will go to the 2012 draft class, which really didn't have very much special. So No, but we will see. We will be back to the drawing board and finding players. All right. So moving on to this week's edition of Under the Spotlight, we decided to go with Kentucky. A behemoth. So, here we are. 
Kentucky. There's so much to unpack here. I, we could do like a full two-hour podcast on just Kentucky players in the NBA. I don't even know where to begin. I feel I feel like a, a kid in a candy store. Uh, Eli, what, what do you think? Uh, unpack so some of this. It took me a long time to unpack how many players from Kentucky were in the NBA. And I, so what I did was I went through all of them and I put them into categories. So uh, my five, my, oh my goodness, there's so many categories. My six categories are big time big men, average big men, too early to tell for big men, good guards, exciting future, but too early to tell for guards, and then the wings. There's just so many players. I, I cannot believe how many players there were. But what I guess one thing off the top of my head is, yes, they have good big men. They have good guards. They don't have any good wings in the NBA really right now. I mean, Keldon Johnson is a solid player, and I think he's going to get a lot better. He's young. Malik Monk was the only other person I kind of put in wings. He's kind of almost just a guard. But that's it. There's no one else who you can argue is a wing there. I mean, unless you want to make Devin Booker a wing, but I don't think anyone would do that. So I guess that's something that's really interesting to me. I mean, P.J. Washington, I guess, could be considered a wing, but he feels more like a forward, power forward, big type my guy. Uh, they have elite bigs. They have elite guards. They don't have any wings, which was actually surprising to me when I actually looked at that. What what stood out most for you? Yeah, well, very interesting. The categories, that that's a good idea. I was just overwhelmed by so many players. I, where I started is... There's no doubt Kentucky, especially recently though, has produced by far the best NBA talent. It's it's not even up for debate. And, and the most, and yeah, the most, they right. have the most. They have the most college kids on exactly. NBA they have this season. they have the most uh, with 31 uh, to be exact. Which first off is a ton, um, a lot more than I expected. And next is Duke with 28, which is also very close to that. That's a ton. Uh, and then we see a huge drop off with UNC only having 13. So, looking up and down this list of 31 players, uh, many of them are either proven stars, like Anthony Davis, Devin Booker, Bam Adebayo, Carl Anthony Towns, depending on how you feel about him, valuable starters like Jamal Murray, De'Aaron Fox, Julius Randle, Eric Bledsoe, or, and they have a ton of these, up-and-coming players with serious, serious potential, um, like Tyler Hero, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, even this year's draft, Tyrese Maxey, uh, Emmanuel Quickly, and then not from this year's draft, Keldon Johnson, like you mentioned. And then I do want to make sure, while we're talking about Kentucky, I want to make sure I mention John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins. You can even throw Rajon Rondo in there. Um, their best years are likely, definitely, behind them. But there's no denying they were all stars at one point in their career. Um, but looking at the players specifically, uh, looking at their skills... The biggest takeaway for me has got to be the court vision and high basketball IQ that many of these players possess, and really at all positions. Not point guard, all positions. We've got Rondo at point guard, uh, Shea at shooting guard, Fox and Wall are point guards, but but then you've got Bam Adebayo and Anthony Davis who have incredibly high basketball IQs um, on offense and defense, which is very interesting. Also, I noticed similar to UCLA that we had talked about a few weeks back, a lot of their star point guards either can't shoot or aren't known for their shooting ability, like Wall, 
Fox, Rondo. Uh, what do you What are you thinking? So, uh, what the other thing? I agree with that. There, there are a bunch who can't shoot. But you look at someone like Tyler Hero. He's a shooter. But he's not a point guard. Uh, unless I, I guess we. I don't know. They played him at point guard, but he, okay, he really but he's is. A, he's a guard. He's a guard. Right. Devin Booker is not a point guard, but he's a guard. He can shoot. Their well. shooting guards can shoot. Their point guards cannot. But yeah, no, that that is correct. But their point guards are some of the most athletic people, athletic NBA players. And they have some of the best seen. IQs. Uh, yeah, exactly. What stood out to me is actually how many young players are stars right now. Look, Anthony Davis is not young anymore, but he's not that old either. Carl Anthony Towns isn't that old. Julius Randle is still in his 20s. Bam, out, and then, and from there, you just get much younger. Look at Tyler Hero, Jamal Murray, Shea Gilgis Alexander, Devin Booker, still really young. Darren Fox is not that old either. Keldon Johnson. Did I mention Bam Adebayo? I think I did. But he, I mean, certainly another young guy. And then I see two guards who are rookies who are playing out of their mind look at Tyrese Maxey and Emmanuel quickly what's so funny about Emmanuel quickly is when I looked through some of the draft grades he had some of the worst draft grades out of any player in the first round and he's turned out to be one of the better players in the in from the draft period not just oh he was good for his spot he was a solid player from where he went I mean my best example is when I looked at into CBS Sports, their mock draft. They gave Emmanuel quickly a D plus. Who went right before him? It was R.J. Hampton. We have not heard much from R.J. Hampton. We have heard about Emmanuel quickly. He is becoming a star in New York. So I think that's one of those picks that will be exciting to watch in the future. And then. Besides just having really good players, and you named a lot of them, there's just a lot of average big men, like just solid players. Willie Colley Stein was a solid play, is a solid player. Trey Lyles, Nerlens Noel. What about Ennis Cantor and Patrick Patterson? They kind of are all just very solid players, and that's what's incredible. There's more guards that are really good, but the big man depth is incredible. I mean, just the depth overall is incredible, but. I think it's so interesting to look at some of these guys. And you're right. There's not a ton of shooters here, but they're all solid players in the NBA because they have something that makes them stand out. And maybe most importantly, credit has to be given to Coach Calipari because he sells these players that they can come, he will develop them, and they will become stars in the NBA. There is no one better at producing stars right now in the NBA than Kentucky. Yeah, there just and, is no comparison. And Kentucky itself, like convincing the high school kids, top prospects, to give up a year of their life and spend it in the middle of the country, the middle of nowhere, Kentucky. I mean, it shows just how good Lexington, the program is. Yeah, yeah, Lexington, Kentucky. It is truly incredible. Yeah, it, I also, it, yeah, I also want to focus on the draft here. Uh, going off of you, um, like Duke, Kentucky also um, has a ton. They're known for you know, having a ton of high draft picks. Uh, they've had 21 lottery picks since 2010. And and before last season, Kentucky has gone 10 straight years of having lo- a lottery pick. Uh, and I think we're seeing right now, we, we talked about this already, but I think we're seeing right now that Maxie and Quickly should have gone in the lottery, w- without a doubt. At this point, 
Um, so the lesson is, you know, don't bet against Kentucky players coming out out of college. And, yeah. and this might actually be coming up the second straight year that Kentucky doesn't have a player selected in the lottery. Uh, well, that, that's a question yeah. I think we should look at as well is, you know, you mentioned that they probably won't have a player selected in the lottery. I don't think that's shocking. I don't think you'd be wrong with that predict if you made that prediction. But this Kentucky team is awful this year. Yeah, I mean, right now. I mean truly, oh, yeah. truly awful. And when you look at Kentucky, I, I don't – yeah, there are players who may develop, and I, but I don't even see – like Emmanuel Quickly and Tyrese Maxey were good players on Kentucky. Mm-hmm. I don't see those type of players – on that team right now yeah they lost a close game to a really good or a solid missouri team and there are solid players but someone we all thought was going to be a high pick was someone like brandon boston jr he has not turned out to be what we all thought i mean so when when i look at that i think certainly this year's kentucky team is different from a lot of the players we've seen drafted and the players we've just talked about it it's just it is a little shocking where kentucky has fallen this season i think they'll be right back but you know brandon boston's only averaging 12 points a game which in college isn't awful but he's shooting 25 percent from three which is awful boston yeah he's shooting 37 percent from the field that's not good no boston's been extremely disappointing he was one of the top ranked recruits coming out of high school and and he's been extremely He's been extremely right. He's been extremely disappointing. And after a few underwhelming games, Terrence Clark will probably be sitting the rest of the season with an injury. Uh, to, in Kentucky's defense, they're missing Terrence Clark, who is also a top 10 high school recruit. But um, it, it's just, you know, even with him, they weren't winning. Yeah. And no, that's concerning. Absolutely. They have a ton of potential, both of them. But And I thought, you know, I was... I was, you know, rooting for them and, and thinking there was still a possibility both of them would go in the lottery despite disappointing seasons. But at this point in in a star-studded draft this year, I, I think it's looking more and more unlikely as time goes on. Yeah, I mean, this Kentucky team's 5-13, and 13, so I don't think we should be expecting anything out of them. But it'll be interesting to see where they go this season and where they go from here and if they're able to recruit the players that turned into all those stars we talk about because players want to see development and i don't think we saw that out of kentucky this year so it'll be interesting to see where coach cal goes from here and you know you mentioned they didn't have a lottery pick last season they're not probably going to have one this season is that because everyone else is catching up to coach Cal or is that a decline in coach Cal or is it just a two-year blip which we will have to wait and see moving forward but from here we will head to our last segment and it is called where'd he go we do it every week we will name three players in the NBA the other person will have to guess where they went right now we are both four and five under 500 I need to start making this a little bit easier for ourselves. But not this week. Well, maybe this week. I decided to have some fun this week. So we'll see how you like this. And fun doesn't necessarily mean hard. So I'll go with my first guy. Can you tell me where Patty Mills went to college? Patty Mills. Ooh, oh yeah. Yes, I can. I can tell you where he went. Patty Mills 
went to St. Mary's. That is correct. Right in my backyard. Yeah. yeah. Of Moraga, California. Really, actually, nice little campus. And, and, a, and a really cool basketball arena and a, and a cool basketball culture overall, actually. If you, you know, if you ever have a chance to watch their games, they're not a power five team, not close. They play in the same conference as Gonzaga, which actually makes it really difficult to go to the NCAA tournament. Right. Because it has traditionally been a one bid league. Now, sometimes they get a second um, bid from the field with St. Mary's, but. And they've had, a, Mills, they've had a few Australian players. Yes, they have. Della Vadova. So, yes, Della Vadova is a second one, but that is. My first guy, who do you have? All right, I think I'm going to stump guy. you with this one. And maybe not. Okay, Torian Prince, recently traded from the Nets, started on the Hawks, now he's on the Cavs, and he, he's had some good games. He's a good player when he's given the opportunity. Where did Torian Prince go? Did he go to Baylor? No, yes, you're right. Yes, he went to Baylor. Oh goodness! I really got that one. I, yeah. I no, I actually remember that one because I believe he was on the team that lost to Yale. If I'm correct, that sounds right. Uh, I, I could be that. wrong. And it's been a few years. He might even have been the person to answer that question in the press conference about how did you get out rebounded by Yale? Yes. And if it was, that was one of the most iconic. Was that him? That was him. You, one you of the most up. iconic answers. You go up, you grab the ball, you come down with it. It's called a rebound. It's called a rebound. That is so, an iconic video. A fantastic yes. response. No, absolutely. All right. I'll come right back with another one. Otto Porter Jr., where did he go? He went to Georgetown. Yes, yes, he did. Oh, I'm not doing well. So that one, I used to love Georgetown, so you really found my wheelhouse right there. I'll give you a second one. I believe he played for his dad in college. Hmm. The shooter... He actually is playing close to home. Doug McDermott. Oh yeah, Dougie McBuckets. Oh, how could you? How could you not get this one? One of the most iconic and 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 honestly, one of the best college players of all time. Dougie McBuckets went to Creighton. Yes, he out did. Out there in Nebraska. I was wondering if you would get that one. He's had a great but, season. Yeah, no, he really has. He's a solid NBA player. I think you know he's turned into what we all thought he would he's he's a bucket he's a good shooter he's a good scorer you know that's what he's used for so that was my second guy my third guy i went a little harder but you might be able to get this one if you know him you know, he went in the top 10 he was actually the eighth pick in 2010 al farouk aminu oh no al farouk aminu shoot I feel like I know this one. You should. Oh, I want to say Pac-12, but but that might not be it. Al Farouk Aminu. Uh, don't think this is... Well, I'm going to say Washington. That's your... Pac-12 is your new adopted conference. You needed to go back to your old conference. Uh -oh. The ACC, he actually plays in the same state as Duke. He went to Wake Forest. Wake Forest. Oh, no. All right, all right, my last one. Larry Nance Jr., where did he go? Oh, goodness. I feel like I should know this. I have no idea. I want to say UNLV, but that sounds incorrect because 
UNLV just can't be right, which makes me want to say the Big 12 and somewhere like Oklahoma State, but I'm not sure about that either. You know what? I'm going to go with UNLV. That just sounds like the closest. I'm going to go UNLV. You were really close, actually. Yeah, you were in the, the right area. He went to Wyoming. Oh, goodness. I would have never yeah, guessed. Yeah, no, yeah. I had the right region of the country. That's all that matters. Yeah, very close. All right, so, so we we both went two for one. Which puts us at six and six. Back to hey, 500. Wow. Next week, pretty even. We're pretty five. evenly matched. Yeah, no, pretty good. After the first two weeks, or the last two weeks, we've been tied. So that's certainly good. Well, that's all we have for today. We will be back next week. You can listen to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and I think just about anywhere you get your podcast. So thank you all for listening. We will be back again with another episode of Into the Fray next Friday.